We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. What is going on? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, another edition of the Finer Wings Club. I'm here today at Amherst Pizza and Ale House in Amherst, 55 Croson Parkway, and I am joined. I've had these guys on individually several times, but I'm really excited about this one because for the first time, man, I got both Matt Marino and Ryan Talbot, not just on the show, but live with me here at Amherst Ale House, who, by the way, they take their show before we ate some wings. We'll talk about those in a minute, and now they're on the pod today. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having us on. I um, I have a question for you. Is this the first time that your uh, Roadcaster Pro has gotten wing sauce on it? <laughs> it is the first time that my Roadcaster Pro. <laughs> I got it off, I think. I think we're good. But I was like, man, this this probably been through a few wars now at this point. You've been back in Buffalo a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, we've I've done enough that. First time for wing sauce, though. So I've met Matt several times. We've hung out a couple times. We've done some shows together. And Ryan has been gracious enough to be on the podcast many times. But this is the first time that we've actually physically had an opportunity to to meet. So, man, it, it is great to see you, man. Yeah, it's it's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm from uh, Olean, New York. So it's a little bit of a, a trek. It's not too bad. But it's definitely prevented us from meeting in person before. But I'm, I'm glad I could have make, made this trip tonight to meet up with you guys now you mentioned because del reed's here tonight i know you're probably going to mention that as well he's got like a pop-up going on for 26 shirts yep now ryan and del go way back now do you guys like because again like i'm kind of new to the like buffalo media blogosphere do you guys go back to a long time like you knew each other on virtually or no well i've known ryan virtually for a while going back to like blogging days a good i don't know at least 10 12 years ago yeah, probably from when I first started. So yeah, it's it's gone back quite a ways. Look, I don't, I don't want to patronize you because you're here in person. And in fairness, and Matt will attest to this because Matt Perino and uh, Nate Gary, we did the first edition of Finer Wings Club about a month or so ago, five weeks or so at a uh, Mulberry in Lackawanna, and we kind of talked about this on on that taping the 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 value that Ryan brings to your show, you know, into the into NewYorkUp.com, and and I've said this, dude, I I really. I mean this, man. You, you're a guy who has really risen up the ranks from being a quality blogger to somebody that at this point in time now, people turn to you for, for information. I mean, you break stories. You do a great job reporting. And you've joined that echelon of trusted, credible Buffalo sports media people, man. So like I said, uh, props to you. And it's, it's great to have you on there. And, and I've been a fan of yours for a while. And just to see you grow into what you've kind of become now, man. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I did listen back to that first episode after you guys had taped it. And uh, so many kind words. I promise you guys listening, I did not pay them each off individually to say all those nice things. It, it was great to hear. And, and I really do appreciate that. And I don't think Bills fans realize how nerve-wracking it is when you report news because things happen in this industry all the time where decisions are changed last minute or something changes on the fly. It, it is nerve-wracking, so it's not like we're out here like, oh, I can't wait to break this story. I mean, we, we've been there before. We've been talking like, this better happen because we're expecting it. We've been told credible people, and things can change, though, on a whim. 
What's funny about our dynamic and our, our situation where we work, Syracuse.com, make sure you get all your bills coverage from there, obviously. Um, <laughs> we're, in a lot of ways, each other's editors a lot of time. Like, we have had an editor. We, I, I think you met him earlier. He was, he's about to retire, Steve Carlick. He's been amazing. But he, he's, he'll tell you himself, he kind of stays out of our way. And kind of lets us kind of do it ourselves. So a lot of times, like, we'll be in the weeds. Like, he'll have something. He'll have something. Like, I kind of want to write a story on this. And there's been times where I'm like, you know what? If you don't got it, like, 100%, I don't feel like it's, it's worth it. Or there's times where I've said, yeah, man, go with it. And vice versa. Like, where we, we kind of put those hats on for each other. And, like, it's great to have that relationship. Most of what I said the last time we were doing this was bullshit. Like, he's actually, like, <laughs> he sucks, actually. <laughs> like, everybody's like, sees our relationship. And, like, you know, it's so, like, you know, it's a love fest, right? Well, he's a wrestling guy. I'm going to turn heel on the podcast <laughs> right now. I just hit him in the head with a chair. No, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, I couldn't have found a better tag team partner, man. Like, we, we just, we vibe off each other so well. The, the work cadence, not even just the podcast, but the work cadence. you got to have, like, an egoless relationship. And sure. we have it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't want to change it for the world. Even if somebody came along right now, right, and said, hey, man, I want you to come to ESPN or I want you to come to um, NFL Network or something like that. We've talked about this in the past. Like, I don't want to leave what a great situation this is. It helps that my family is very entrenched here now. Sure. But professionally speaking, most people don't have it like we have it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to talk about your podcast in just a couple of minutes here. We'll talk at least some Buffalo Bills. Uh, you guys have already talked plenty of Buffalo Bills on your show earlier, which aired live. Like I said, so we're here at Amherst Ale House. Del Reed is about 15, 20 feet away um, selling some shirts. You never know who's going to walk by here. Tim Graham just came out to talk to us a couple minutes ago. Uh, a couple Bills fans were here, one or two that maybe we won't name them for <laughs> right now for this, for this podcast. But let's talk about these wings. All right, first and foremost, now... For everyone listening, if you've been a listener to the show for a while, you know, I've done shows here before, so I'm not unturning any stones here by saying I'm a big fan of it. But Ryan, I know this is definitely your first time here. Man, is this your first time here at Amherst Hills? No, I actually came here for the Connor fight, Connor McGregor fight, a couple. I actually, Tim Graham was here that night too. Really? And the wings were like, they were great that night, but I think I only had like one or two because we had like a other entree. Sure. Who, man, we got to get into this, man. Like, these are game changers. They are. All right, so we had three different types. We had regular medium because you got to have traditional medium wherever you go. That's always going to be the parameter, I think, or at least the starting point for when discussing wings. So we had medium, we had hot Cajun, and then we had what their signature wing is, which is uh, Char Pit Crown Royal Barbecue. Let's start with you, Ryan, because, again, I know this is your first time being here. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, the, char, uh, the charred uh, Crown Royal Barbecue. Those were definitely the standout wing. All three were really good. Uh, I had the hot Cajun early on, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And and Matt, he's like, give it another shot. Like after the second one, I was he said how impressed he was. And sure enough, after the second one, I thought that was pretty good too. But all three of the wings I thought were really uh, excellent across the board. But yeah, definitely the Crown Royal is my favorite of the three. What about you, Matt? Crown Royal are the elite wing at the table. But I gotta say, man, like. I got three or four bites into the hot Cajun, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I really, if this is really my jam. And I, by the time I got through one, I'm like, all right, I need another one. And I took like two bites of the next one. And I'm like, I think I ended up having three or four. They were really good. But those, those barbecue, or those um, Crown Royal, man, they just got, they got that barbecue crisp to them. The taste is on point, and I don't know what it is, but like I think because of probably the way they cook it, which I'm sure you can get into details on that. The crunch was like yeah. awesome. It like was. It's a it's an elite wing. I would say it's in a it's it's a pound for pound wing. I think a lot of people when they say crispy wings, they love crispy wings. That could be a little bit misleading because sometimes wings can be really crispy, but they're not tender inside when you bite them. You know what I mean? Right. They're they're crunchy or they're crispy, whatever you want to call them, but then they're kind of dry. These wings had some crisp to them, but not too much. And by the way, so the waitress asked me, she goes, how do you want these? Do you want me to make these extra crispy? And I told her no. I said, make these as if we were just coming in, and I just said, let me get these wings. I thought they were crispy, but not, like, overly crispy. But but they were tender, man. The, the, the sauce, they're not that saucy, but... And a lot of times I might not like that because there's not a ton of sauce, but these didn't need them. Like they were no. sauced on really good, man. They weren't dry at all. They were tender. I think we got to establish a baseline here too for Ryan. So like what places have you had 
of like the elites. You've had Bar Bill, right? You had Duffs. I've had Duffs. Duffs are okay. I mean, get out. Get out. They're better than Anchor <laughs> I'm Bar. I'm getting a chair out again. Matt, I'm getting Duffs, a chair out again. That's going to turn your heel Duffs for real, and man. Duffs Anchor Bar are fine. I feel like both are oh. more tourist spots now. Now, Duffs is way better than Anchor Bar. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like if you're bringing someone in to like visit Buffalo, those are the two places that you go to. Duffs def- definitely holds up better among those two in, in terms of the actual consistency in the wing itself. But I just think there's so many other places around here, like a bar bill, like it an Amherst Ale House where those wings are, are excellent and, and a little bit better. We had Macy's recently when you came in. Yeah. yeah I'm not, you know, uh, we got to be careful what we say here. Marcel will be Marcel's like, listening. he'll come out with like, he'll come out swinging. And we <laughs> go to our, listen, I liked it. We liked it, yeah. but it just, I don't put him in like this wing here tonight was like, that is like you, you eat it. You get through t- like 10 or single order and you you immediately put it in the conversation, right? Sure. You know when you have that wings. Yeah. Honestly, dude, that one we had at Mulberry, what was the one that we had? Um. Well, it was Joe's was, Medium, Joe's Medium, and Trey White spicy. Joe's barbecue. Medium, that's to me that's better than Duff's Medium, and yeah. Duff's Medium has a like, dude, that's my wing, right? I was gonna say that's a lot coming from you, man. I know. I would put Mulberries over that. Same thing here tonight. Like that is in the conversation with the hot uh, Cajun hot bunny hot honey barbecue. At Barbell, in my yeah. opinion, yeah, that's a fair point. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this too. I'll give you a little bit of a secret of the pros when it comes to the wings. Amherst is a very low key kind of hot spot for great wings. I mean, you got Amherst Ale House here. You have Elmo's, which is a very popular place that everyone knows about, and then you have Audubon North, which is not far from here, which not a lot of people know about. You know about it though. You and I actually taped a show there before, and as good as the wings were, if you remember, their fingers were even better, man. I'm embarrassed to say, I when we filmed that show, I called Caitlin and my wife, and I'm like, "You got to have these fingers. Like they were game changers." We have not been back yet. Part of that is because of the COVID, like pandemic sure. and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But man, now that you bring that up, yeah, we got to get back there for that. Yeah, like there's a bunch of places, like even like John's Pizza and Wings, which is on North French. It's not going to be like a, but if you want like a good strong medium wing you need those like those like really like consistent and i know that you're big on consistency yep. consistent places that you get a medium order uh, uh a 10 order a single order of medium wings and they come and they're good every time i feel like john's is in that bucket too so you're right this is kind of like a low-key hot spot for wings for sure. it is and i'm not going to say names of places because i don't there's no need to put anybody on blast but we were talking over dinner just now the three of us and i said the consistency is the thing that separates the, the elite places from the good places. And this is that's one of the things I love most about Amherst Ale House. We could come here and do this weekly for 52 straight weeks. And I'm telling you right now, 52 straight times, if you if you love these wings, you're going to love them. If you don't love them, you're not going to love them, whatever. But the, the consistency is there. And there's so many places where we can walk in there one Sunday and just absolutely be blown away like these are the best wings ever. And then we'll go back there the next time and, and talk it up. And I've done that. I've talked up some places, and then I have people go in there and say, dude, dude these wings sucked. Right. You know what I mean? Because they're just <laughs> – they're inconsistent. Now where you live, right? Not where you live there only. And are there – a good wing spots out there for you there? You know, there are actually a few places. Uh, Third Base Bar and Grill has some really good wings. Uh, there's actually a little bar near us called The Plant that has something called an amber wing that's really good. It's almost like a little mix of uh, everything there. And and there's, there's a few other places in Allegheny I would definitely recommend to people. But for the most part, it comes down to consistency. And a lot of the places that you order from one week to the next – it's not the same, and that can kind of turn you off from them, just like you mentioned. So the the places that I just mentioned, absolutely. Uh, Randy's up the river as well in Allegheny. That's a popular hot spot, especially after Bonnie's games. Uh, that They have a really good wing as well. Okay. All right, well, I'll tell you what. We'll put the wing stuff aside here. Again, Amherst Ale House in Amherst. This is a fantastic place. By the way, great pizza, great subs, really cool bar inside, tons of stuff on tap. Um, great place to watch games. I got a ton of TVs. I, I, I love this place. One of my favorite places. Um, I want to talk about the podcast for a couple of minutes, and then we'll spend at least a few minutes talking about the Bills. And I'm being honest with you guys, man. I, I love and respect a lot of Bills podcasts out there. I'm a big fan of a lot of the Buffalo Rumbling stuff. Um, and I love the Athletic podcast, even though you know Joe and Matt don't really do that all that consistently. But I love when they drop content. Um, cover one. There's a lot of really good podcasts out there but I, I think shout has become 
I, I think it's at the top now. I, I, I really do. I, and, I, and I mean that. And the big reason is because you guys put out a lot of content. You guys, I don't want to, I, I need to be careful with my wording here because I don't want to suggest that other outlets don't work hard because they do. But suggest you guys, it. I, maybe I will. <laughs> Heal Ryan. Dude, Heal Ryan. Get him, get him uh, another IPA. Get him another IPA. Let's get it going here. <laughs> but in all seriousness, man, I mean, you guys, you guys work harder than anyone else when it comes to pumping out content, man. Kind of talk about that. And the, and the audience obviously has caught on. I mean, if, if we had this conversation a year ago, you guys were doing relatively well but not at this level that you're at right now. I mean, it's very common to go, if you guys do a live show and I don't catch it that night and I listen to it or watch it on YouTube the next day at work, I'm noticing four, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand views in 24 hours. I mean, that you guys have come a long way in a, again, I don't want to say too short amount of a time because then it makes it sound like it was an overnight thing and it wasn't. You guys put a lot of work and time into it, but just kind of talk about like the grind of of all this because and we've talked about this man on the podcast before it's not easy right so just kind of talk about well you met sarah tonight um she's going to be coming on our show she's gonna be wearing a bunch of different hats she's going to be on the show with us she's going to be producing the show we're taking it to the next level we haven't really announced that yet but we're super excited about it um more on that in the coming weeks because we're still kind of defining a lot of it but to your point we fit into a very special like niche right like you have like the content creators, right? Like you had a bunch of them on your show. Rico's great. Sure. Uh, Bruce Nolan, uh, Greg Thompson, and Aaron Quinn. Like there's a ton of people that are giving Bills fans content all the time, right? Then you got the media side of the traditional media side of sure. things, right? You mentioned Joe B and Matt. You know, there's some other podcasts, Sal Sports and stuff. He drops a podcast and stuff. Yep. He's on the beat. But really, like when you really break it down into like what they do and what the media does, we're the only traditional media. We're the only ones that do both. That we're in. We're not afraid. And I shouldn't say it like that. I'm not saying people are afraid, but like we embrace every part of it because we want to make sure that we're the whole experience for our fans. And so, like, I'm always studying. Like, what do they like? What I'm I'm going through comments. Like, what do they want to see? What didn't they see in this episode? I want to find out why people are giving us those. St- we might have like 400 and 500 likes on a YouTube video, right? Mm-hmm. Then we got three thumbs down. I want to know what those three thumbs down are for and uh, what we can do. Yeah. Now, guess what? What I also learned in 10 years, you're always going to have the thumbs down because some people just like to hate. But I just think we, fought, we, we work hard. I feel like we both have voices. I think we're in the room. We're in the building. That's a piece of it too. And it matters. Yeah, and we do a little bit of everything. And and I think we also, a big piece that I've heard from fans is our dynamic too. It's, it, it's a great dynamic. Yeah, we have a great dynamic. And Matt said it on your last uh, episode of the Finer Wings Club. If if he were getting married today, he said I, that Ryan Talbot would be in, in his wedding. It works the same way around. If I were getting married, Matt would be in it. I talk to him on a daily basis. There's not many people I talk to on a daily basis. It's probably Matt and my mom. Uh, so shout out to my mom who is Diane. not on the Bills beat. That's right. Yeah. Give her a Diane's shout a out. She a always fan. shares the big shout supporter. podcast. I always look. She, she doesn't share it. I know something funny is going on. That's right. Next time I get out to Olean, we got to have a little. I've not met his mother in person. So next time I get out to Olean, we got to have a little uh, Absolutely. get together. But this has been Matt's baby, though, from day one. When, when he joined uh, New York Upstate Syracuse.com, he came with all this video experience from the UFC, and he said, you know, I think a podcast could take us to the next level. And sure enough, it, it really has. And he's brought all this experience, all of this um, previous experience, and just he's so good at what he does with it that it's really helped us in a short time take off from where we started to where we are now. Let me add something in here, though. And it's really important, like, if anybody's ever listened to this that, like, wants to get into journalism and, like, you know, you got to really now study how the job, whatever job you want to do, where it's at and where it's going. Yeah. And I think too often, like I get here and I'm learning about like really truly being a beat reporter, right? Look at the, look at the landscape though, man. Like there's a lot of people that hustle for scoops, right? Like that's like always traditionally been how beat writers are defined. Guess what? We're not getting them. Adam right. Schefter's getting them. Ian Rappaport, you could hustle your ass off. Like Sal Capaccio had a monster with the Matt Milano deal this week. I had the John Feliciano, right? Those made our Bills careers, those two right there. Well, okay, Sal's got a completely different like level of fame. 
But what I'm saying is, like, those can make your career, sure. right? The problem is, if you are just chasing that, you're not going to ascend. You've got to find a way to make it more. Make it more. Give the fans and your readers more. And I think that's what the podcast has been about for us. I think this is the, the most honest, and in my opinion anyway, biggest compliment that I could give your show right now. I used to make it a point during Bill's practice where even if I had other stuff going on, I would constantly be on my phone and I would be refreshing it every five minutes to see what was going on in practice on Twitter. Because of your show, I don't need to do that anymore. Because of your show, I could just watch you guys afterwards and I know everything that's going on. So I don't need to spend, don't get me wrong, I still do spend some days anyway hitting that refresh on Twitter, seeing what, what the reporters are talking about. But yeah, man, I, I feel like you guys do such a good job. I don't even need to necessarily watch practice, or not watch, or, or follow practice anymore. And another point to yours, Matt, you said, and it does matter, being there matters, okay? I could sit there and I could have a great view on things and have some good opinions, but being there matters more. And I'll give you a perfect example. You just had an article within the last couple of days, you had a, a 53 man projection and you had Tyrell Adams getting cut. Right. And I thought you were crazy a couple of days ago. Honestly, I'm like, they signed him. I, I thought he was a good player. I'm like, he's making this team. Obviously you see things at practice that a fan like myself doesn't see. And sure enough, I mean, he just got cut literally today. So Access matters, whether whether bloggers, whether podcasters, whether they want to admit it or not, it matters. It matters, Ryan, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'm not in the building every day like Matt, but I'm there here and now. And we were just talking about it on tonight's podcast. At the first open scrimmage that the Bills had, Tyrell Adams was on the third team defense. He had not ascended up that depth chart whatsoever. So as we're looking at each other, we're like, this guy's not going to make it unless something really clicks. Uh, very quickly, and it just never happened. There, there's just so much depth and talent on this roster that a guy that had 125 total tackles one year ago with the Texans couldn't find a role with this Bills roster. Right. Yeah. And I got to add too, like, you know, there seems there's a lot of times there's this like weird like dynamic between the traditional media and the blog sure. community. A lot of those guys on the blog side get that too. Like I talk to Greg and I talk to Aaron and I talk to Rob, Bruce, um, Anthony Marino. Um, I can run through the entire list. Like I have relationships with basically all of them. Sure. And I get texts all the time like, hey, man, great story, great coverage. Oh, I'm so glad you've been getting us through training camp. I've gotten that from a couple bloggers. So like my thing is always like, why not come together? I try to do as many shows as I can. I was telling you before we got on here. I owe my friend Rico an appearance on his show. I haven't been able to do it. Like my life has gotten to the point now where four years onto the beat, and you told me that get ready for this. Like eventually you're not going to be able to do every show. Right. You're right. Like I'm I'm getting to that point. I'm starting to teach this semester. So that getting ready for that has been a whole nother layer. And well, then the by the way, I don't I don't well. mean to cut you off. Congratulations on oh, that, thank by you, the man. way. That that's really cool. You kind of feel the same way, Ryan? Like I, I and I know you. You, you're always on a podcast. In fact, you're on some podcasts. I know I don't even know what the podcast is. I've never even heard of them. But it, I say, all right, well, Ryan's on. At least I'm going to check out a, a handful of minutes of it because you're always willing, to your credit, and very generous with your time. But you know, are you starting to feel like you know you're spreading yourself a little bit thin here? There's definitely times. I mean, this this week alone, I think there's. Should we, between... Wait a second. Should we go get his wife over here and get her answer this question? <laughs> She'll definitely have a different answer than I do. Uh, yeah, you know, just looking at the rest of this week, there's different radio spots and probably four to five different podcasts. And, and you're right. I'll get these emails from these people that are like, hey, we'd like you to come on. And I haven't really heard of them. Some of them are just like college radio. But I go back to where I started, Pat. Fair, fair I started point. with QueenCitySports.net, Mike Straw. Yeah, shout out Mike Straw. Shout out Mike Straw doing like uh, Bill's mock drafts and little things and Bleacher Report before they made all their big hires. Uh, I've been through the ranks and I've been in a lot of places. And when you move up that ladder, I, you, you remember the people that you've met along the way and you think back and you're like, it doesn't hurt if I give 15 or 20 minutes of my time to this college radio or this smaller podcast because you never know where they're going to go and and they're going to remember those people that they met along the way. I've had a couple people that did stuff for me when I had my blog that were nobody at the time. One of them is Chris Trapasso. Look at him now. He's way bigger than I am. You know what I mean? So that's really cool. Um, 
Matt, Matt, hold on one second. <laughs> I'm dying here. I got a cold. That's why I'm sleeping in front of a fan every night. Uh, Matt's been in the entertainment business for a while. Like, you've done UFC. You've been in front of a camera, doing the podcast, doing a live YouTube show. Not really new to you. But, Ryan, I mean, you've been blogging for a long time. You, you do podcasts and stuff. But this is kind of like your first venture into being in front of a camera consistently anyway. You know what I mean? So kind of talk about that process a little bit. Did it take you a little while to kind of get comfortable having the camera on you, knowing that people are not just listening to you, but watching you? Well, I said, like Matt's been doing this for quite a while now. Yeah, I'm that guy that has a face for radio, as they say. So it did take some time getting <laughs> used to. I'm, I'm across from Matt, who has this pristine hair. And then you have me with the, the Bic razor and the shaving cream once or twice a week. So uh, the old cue ball on camera. But Matt's helped along the way. He sent me the snowball mic. He sent me the the proper lighting. I've upped my internet. So it, it's taken some time to get comfortable you know, in a serious matter, too, in front of the camera. But Matt's helped in terms of helping with the equipment, helping me get more comfortable in terms of the dialogue. He does all of our tops reads, which also helps out immensely. So it, it definitely has come a long way from where we we started and where we are now. It's uh, I, I get a kick out of and and I can't help but think that you guys do sound like you guys have been friends forever. And I, I truly mean that. It's just... It's weird. It's almost weird to me. It's like you guys, because you guys have been, how long have you been doing the show for now? A little, like a year and a half. That's yeah. it. That's crazy. Yeah, to me. Not it's either. absolutely crazy to me. If if I had just come into this market and and I asked somebody, I said, who are some guys I should get on the show? And they said, Ryan Talbot and Matt. And I sat down with you guys for the first time. I swear to God, I'm not just saying this, man. I would think you guys have been best friends for 10, 15 years, man. It's just, it's crazy to me. That's great. I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? Like to build the rapport. Like I think when people think about starting shows too, like that dynamic is important. Like I think as someone who is an avid listener to the Bills beat or the Buffalo beat now, I like the dynamic that Joe and Matt have. Sure. Like it's different than ours, but it's one that I enjoy all the same. Like there's some dry humor. There's some some having fun. There's some jabs. Like you develop that when you become friends. I mean, Matt was just in Joe B's wedding. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there those kind of dynamics matter when you're going to invest time into a podcast you want there to be more than just a happened at bill's camp today and it means b and this c could happen to you know you can get that anywhere you can get that on twitter and yeah. i also back to that point i almost feel like we're doing people a service if they're able to shut down their social media channels for a little while just to go watch our show and get the bill stuff from there because man i'll tell you i gotta tell a story here social media is a really it's it could be a cesspool. I try to be sure. as positive as I can. I'm on Facebook today, which, by the way, I tweeted about it yesterday. Or yesterday, I tweeted about it. Like I had to tweet, like, opens Facebook, knows it's a bad idea. Pulls up my article that's been shared, looks at the comments, knows it's a bad idea, finds a stupid comment. Well, today I checked. I had a notification on it again. And there is just some Bills fan in there just, you know, giving me the business like how do you get paid for your job like blah 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 how are you gonna have them keep seven receivers blah 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 how can you do not there's no way that they're gonna keep five cornerbacks jeremy guy they kept five cornerbacks last year they kept five <laughs> cornerbacks he's like do some research he said so i had some fun back and forth with them and, and actually it was actually a fun in interaction because at the end I said, man, you've eaten so many L's on this thread. Respect for still st sticking around and continuing <laughs> on with it. So we had some fun with it. But yeah, man, like social media sometimes, like as positive as I try to be about it, it could be real. It could be a downer. It could for sure. All right. Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino, Amherst Alehouse. We'll be right back. And we'll at least spend a couple of minutes anyway talking some Buffalo Bills. So be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm kind of pissed off here because I have a few notes and and I do want to talk about them, but I can tell you the one thing I don't want to talk about is COVID and you and you and like 25% of the shout listeners that were getting in the comments. And I told them, Pat, we, you think we want to talk about this? Oh, my God. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about the 53-man roster projection and not about how there's a chance that if one of these unvaccinated dudes is a close contact the week of the AFC title game, it could have an impact. It's it, Does this exhaust you a little bit already, oh. having, to, having to spend your time talking about it when there's so many things that you want to talk about, th- things that you might feel are insightful to Bills fans, but, I mean, you can't have a show. You can't have a, a popular show and, and just ignore it. It's impossible to ignore, especially on the heels of today with all these guys getting sent home for the week. And to your point, you're right. Were this a regular season and say they were playing on Saturday – Man, you're talking no Beasley, you're talking no Davis, you're talking what, no Milano? So Milano and Klein, they sent him home initially because they were worried, but they weren't close contacts, but Starr and Vernon Butler were. Yeah, I mean, that that can affect the game, and it it sucks because as, as a Bills fan, this is probably the highest expectations this team has had going into a season probably since... Maybe ninety ninety one after they became a Super Bowl team, where that was the expectation. I think the Bills have kind of arrived where that's kind of the expectation. Certainly, maybe if not to win the Super Bowl, certainly to be in the mix to be in the Super Bowl. And it's frustrating to have to sit here, Ryan, and and talk about freaking COVID, man. It, it sucks, but it's it is the way the world is right now. It's it's real. Yeah, you know, we'll get comments saying, "Talk about the team. Talk about Week One." Well, listen, the players that were sent home today, they're going to be fine for week one. But this should be a a warning signal to Bills fans of what could happen during the season. And if this happens on a Tuesday or a Wednesday in season, those players are out for the game. And you're talking about your all-pro slot receiver. You're talking about a wide receiver last year that had seven touchdowns, a defensive tackle that was brought back this year after sitting out one year ago to, that's supposed to help the run game, help these young defensive ends. All of them could be out. And, and to Matt's credit, like he said, this could also be playoffs, the, the championship, the Super Bowl. And what happens then? This fan base has been waiting so long for a winner, and, there, and there's finally a winning team here, the, uh, enough talent on both sides of the ball to win a championship. And this could really derail their season. If I'm a Bills fan, like, and this may be when it's all said and done and they do like the greatest mysteries of the of the NFLs from the first 20 years of the NFL or whatever, 25 years, one of the great mysteries will be why, how come, thank you, how come Starla Tulele opted out during 2020 and then it appears is not, co- is not vaccinated? Like, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. And again, we haven't heard from him and, and we probably won't on it. Like, you know, he, he, he's kind of a tough guy. Like he doesn't like really want to get too in depth into all the stuff. We've, we talked to him a few times. He's actually been really good, but I'm not sure if he's going to really get into the, to the, the weeds on that, but it is kind of like puzzling. It's very puzzling. I tweeted about that today and it's like, I don't want to jump to a conclusion. Maybe there's something that I don't know. And I kind of, I, at least I try not to jump to conclusions, but it is very odd to me. It doesn't make any sense. And so these players, like he's a, he's a lock. Beasley's not going anywhere, and Davis is not going anywhere. Is is Ver, is Vernon Butler a lock though to make this team right now, guys? I mean, right now he's he's not a lock outside of the fact that Harrison Phillips, this thing is going to probably linger. Like I, he wasn't out there practice today. I think that there's some concern 
where it's not going to impact maybe his season. Like if he's going to be out for two or three, four weeks, I don't think you, you have the luxury of moving on from Vernon Butler. And here's the thing on Zimmer. Like Zimmer's been like almost like if you're talking about like if you were looking on Google trending news for Bill's topics, like if we had that in our podcast, some type of version of that, Justin Zimmer has been like a buzz guy all off yeah. season, right? And I, and I remember when we were going into camp or at the end of spring, I said 53-man roster, Harrison in, Zimmer out. And people were emotional about it. Like, how are you cutting Justin Zimmer? Like, I think you have to understand, dial back the fan part of it. Like, he made a big play. He was good in the playoffs. Like, he's a good player. He's undersized for his position. I don't think that people outside of this organization value those measurables at the position that he plays. I think that's a big reason why they were able to sign him when they did in, in camp last year. So I think what you do is you go, you take Vernon Butler, you take Harrison Phillips over and IR him if you have to for a little while or whatever it is, and then you just try to put Zimmer on the practice squad and you know that even if another team signs him, you still have the kind of experience that a guy like Vernon Butler and the history with Eric Washington. And I don't think people give enough credence to when they're making these decisions. All right. Fair point. Um, all right, let's get away from COVID because I said it, it just makes my head hurt, man, because this is a fun team. It's exciting. It's a good team. It's a, it's a promising team. There's a lots of potential. And we saw a lot of that last weekend in Chicago. And, and I got to say this about Mitch Strabinski. I, I Man, the difference between him, Ryan, and, and, and Matt Barkley is just, uh, with respect to Matt Barkley, he was not a bad quarterback, and I know he was very popular in the locker room, very instrumental to Josh Allen off the field. So nothing but respect to Barkley, but the talent difference between him and, and, and Trubisky, it's just, it's night and day, isn't it? It absolutely is. Listen, Barkley, when he had the starting players around him, what was capable of winning you a game. Trubisky was brought in in the event that Josh Allen misses two to four games with an injury. Because listen, he still plays a very dangerous style of football. He, he takes those hits. He doesn't slide. Uh, and it takes just one hit for him to miss some, some action. With Trubisky, it, there's going to be a little bit of a you're, you're going to fall a little bit off of a cliff because listen you're talking about the guy that was number two in MVP voting one year ago, but Trubisky can handle a game. He can lead you to a three and one record, maybe even four and zero depending on where you are in that uh, stretch of the schedule. And you saw it in that preseason game against Chicago: touchdown, 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 opening four drives, and and were all the offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen, playing? No. Were you without Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley? Uh, were you without Emmanuel Sanders, who we've seen on and off? Yet you were missing a lot of your key players, and he still made it look that easy. So big upgrade at backup cornerback, and when you have the Super Bowl window, that's what you need to do. Will Trubisky be here next year? Absolutely not. He's going to find a job elsewhere. He's going to use this and leverage it in maybe into a starting job somewhere with Brian Dable, depending on where Dable lands, but... It's going to be a great year for him in terms of growing what he can do as a quarterback. I kick myself. I should have predicted this, man. Like, the Bills, like Bean and McDermott, Mitchell Trubisky's story must have just screamed at them. Like, they covet guys like this that want to come in here and prove that, like, have a chip on their shoulder at every turn. And Mitch doesn't have that kind of personality that you see it out there, even on the practice field or whatever. But you could sense it all last week. Like, it was a big game. It was a fun game to cover. I've never covered a more, like, enjoyable preseason game from start to finish. Now, Chicago killed, and we went to the Cubs game on my birthday. It was awesome, right? I saw those pictures. But the game itself, man, it was like Trubisky's revenge, and it's preseason, but it was cool. And, like, that adds another little, like, wrinkle to their whole program. I think that might have been the most entertaining Bills preseason game I could ever remember personally watching. And my biggest takeaway from that, and Ryan, you talked about this a little bit. I think if something happens to Josh Allen, I don't think the season's over necessarily anymore. Whereas with Barkley, I, I felt that would be the case. Yeah, could Barkley win you a game? Sure, maybe. But I think Trubisky, maybe the system matters. You know, sometimes players, good players, end up in the wrong team and they end up in the wrong system. And... It shows, but I feel like Mitch Risky's in the perfect system for him right now. Is he Josh Allen? No, he ain't no Josh Allen, and it's not even close. He was a third overall pick. The guy's a good talent, and I feel like this is the right fit for him. And because of the way he looked, it just feels to me like if 
Josh, God forbid, does miss four to six weeks, I don't think this team is going to, like you said, fall off a cliff. No, and listen, I'm not trying to compare it to a a previous team, but go back to the Eagles team a few years ago that won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Sure. He was in a system where he thrived. It fit his skill set. Mitch Trubisky, his skill set can thrive under Brian Dable. Dable is just very good at getting his receivers open, making sure that if you have a quarterback that is semi-accurate, he can move the ball up and down this field. So if it comes to a playoff game, if it comes to a stretch of the regular season, I think Trubisky can come in there and be a more than capable starter, keep the Bills uh, you know, above water, so to speak, until Allen is back from whatever this hypothetical injury is that we're talking about if something were to happen. I think another position that really interests me right now is the defensive end. And Matt, you've been at practice pretty much every day. Greg Rizzo, I mean, he's looked far better, I think, than most people. I don't know what your expectations were for him off the bat, but like the consensus was Boogie Basham was more ready now, where and Rizzo was more of a project, but you know, look like no project from what we've seen in preseason. I don't know how he's looking in practice, but he's been on most days the best defensive lineman, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty crazy. Now, a lot of those days where Jerry Hughes, like not getting a lot of work or before he came back from the injury. But I'll, I'll, I'll say the expectations changed for me the first time we got to talk to him after the draft, which, by the way, that was the first big event back where it was normal. Like, I went to the draft to cover in Cleveland, and we got a chance to talk to Russo after press conference. Like, being 10 feet away from a player again was just crazy. It was sure. awesome, right? So we talked to him that night, and that was fine. The next time we talked to him, I said, listen, I read his story just this minute, like, before we started this thing that said, emphatically said Greg Rousseau needs a red shirt year. So I just posed the question to him. Like, this is what this story says. Like, I didn't write it. Don't shoot the messenger. But it sounds like you need a red shirt year, a year to get yourself. A... And he kind of just paused for a second. And you could tell he felt a certain time way about it. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to make my impact this year. In as many words. I can't remember the exact quote. And I'm still sitting back here to this day. And like, he knew. He knew what he was going to come in and do from the very first moment. And he's executed not only the two sacks in the preseason, but also the 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 performance every day in practice against Darrell Williams. That's been who he's been predominantly going against. Do you remember this that Pittsburgh game last year? This was a dude that I thought was should have gotten all-pro consideration. Yeah. And there's been times where Gregory Rousseau has toyed with him. So just imagine where we're going with what the guy can be. I don't want to like overhype it. But when you're seeing this this early for a guy that only has one year of production, he looks like he's going to be special. Bruce Bruce is at practice today. He's a believer too. Yeah, Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. Yeah, you know what's really interesting to me, Matt, is we look at some of these players that were out last year due to COVID concerns. Greg Rousseau in Buffalo, Joe Tryon in Tampa Bay. Both guys have flashed immensely in training camp and in the preseason. People weren't considering what kind of work they were putting in during that year off, so to speak. They were working with trainers that were getting their bodies NFL ready, which is something college kids can't do. Think about the journey that some of these players go on if they go deep into the college football playoff. They're playing all the way into January, and then they're doing the all-pro games. They don't really get that true offseason to develop those NFL bodies and work on their game. That's what Greg Rousseau got to do. That's what Spencer Brown got to do. Spencer Brown, third-round pick, has come in, and he's really sped up his process as well, in my opinion, in terms of I think this guy's ready to be the swing tackle in 2021 and take over a starting job sooner rather than later when they move on from Daryl Williams. And who did he work with last year? Joe Staley, a former Pro Bowl offensive lineman. So they're, they were putting in work behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, that whole talk about redshirt seasons, a lot of these players, not just in Buffalo, but two players specifically in Buffalo, are, are putting that story to rest, in my opinion. We were talking about wing nuts before, mm-hmm. which I still have got to try them. I and mean, I got to actually shout it. Somebody told me about this, like, when, we, when, I, when I put out a tweet about wings. They're like, do you got to have wing nuts, right? So I was listening to the Josh Allen Barstool interview the other day. They, Barstool obviously went to wing nuts. But one of the things that I took away from that interview was – Josh specifically talking about Brown and Rousseau and about like those dudes like are the real deal. And that's coming from a guy that's kind of seen the lows of the lows right now, the highs of the highs. And that's kind of another reason why I'm as high as I am on Rousseau because Allen's seeing it and he believes it. Yeah. It's hard to, 
Well, you you want to temper your ex- as a fan, you want to temper your uh, excitement because it's preseason. But it's also hard to to do that because Spencer Brown did look great. I remember I, I was watching and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, this is Khalil Mack, and I don't know if Khalil Mack was showing him everything he has out there in a limited amount of snaps, but like. Spencer Brown was handling him, no problem. I agree. I think he's uh, the swing tackle from day one. Now, with the defensive line. Speaking of Khalil Mack, though, before we move on, this is his spot, dude. Yeah. When he's in town, he's always at Amherst and Alhaus, living it up. Yeah. UB legend, horns up. <laughs> the other defensive lineman or ends on this team, all right? So, we've already talked about Rizzo. Boogie Basham's a second-round pick. F.E. Obata's looked really good from what I read from all you guys in camp. A.J. Epinesa's looked really good in the preseason Hughes ain't going nowhere. Addison's on the team. And Daryl Johnson's a special team standout who played well defensively, too, against Chicago. So we could play some defensive end. I guess the question I got for you guys as we start to wind down here is, is this team going to keep potentially seven defensive ends? I almost feel like they have to. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to have someone that's inactive week by week at that position. And it might be Boogie Basham one week. It might be FAL Bada the next, depending on what they want to do. Daryl Johnson is in that mix too, but I think he'll play more weeks than most uh, because of his special teams, what he brings from that perspective. But with the Bills and those starting four defensive ends that you have, you have to feel really good about that room in general. But you're one injury away from needing that next man up, so why part ways with someone that truly is one of your top 53 players, even if it is at a position where you're already six deep? So yeah, I think they do keep seven at that position. I think they tipped their hand a little bit, too, with releasing Tyrell Adams. And the sense I got from Frazier today was that we really are seeing now. I think Matikiewicz is a lock because he's he's Tremaine's main backup. He's sure. played well in the preseason. He's the special team standout. I think it's between Dotson and Andre Smith for that last spot. I think they could they sign Andre Smith to a two-year deal. He plays a lot of special teams. Dotson does, too, but I think Smith is more of a playmaker. I think they think that they could probably sneak Dotson on. I don't think that they think that teams really know how much they value him. And we saw last year, they they play base nickel now. They, they don't need six linebackers. So in essence, Daryl Johnson is going to be that six linebacker in terms of roster position. And he, he's going to be part of the waves that they plan at setting in opposing quarterbacks. And they're not going to leave any stone unturned when it comes to it, like rushing passers this year. Um, so if they keep seven defensive end, five linebackers... Do they keep four defensive tackles so they'll have 11 defensive linemen, you think? Yeah, I I think that's fair to say. And not only does that go back to the linebacker issue with maybe keeping five, it also goes back to quarterback where they probably only need to keep two this year, where in years past you've, you've kept a third quarterback on this main roster. So they have a little bit more flexibility this year to do that. And I think at the end of the day, you want to keep four because Matt was talking about it. The Bills have a unique defensive tackle position where they almost value those undersized players a little bit more than any other team in this league. So you have Ed Oliver uh, at your three technique, and maybe you can keep Justin Zimmer as as kind of that backup there. You have Star Latulale, and then if Harrison Phillips is healthy enough to go, maybe he is that backup option. If he's injured, you can sneak him onto the injury list to start the year, and then you have Vernon Butler. But one way or another, I think you end up with four defensive tackles on this roster. When it comes to the other side of the ball, we're not really going to talk running backs. I think we all get a sense that they're just going to run with a hot hand for this year. I don't know that there's going to be a true, legit RB1. It might look like Singletary one week, then maybe next week it's Zach Moss or, or Matt Breed, assuming he makes a team, which I think he will. Um, receiver, it's kind of an inter- interesting position. I think they keep seven. Marquez, Steven, Marquez Stevenson, his health right now, how much of a factor is that? How's he looking, and do you like his chances of making this 53 right now? Well, with IR, they put Forrest Lamp on IR, mm-hmm. and now it looks like nobody's claimed Duke Williams, so he reverts to IR. So they're both out for the season. If they do that with Marquez Stevenson, which, by the way, he was at practice without a boot today, so I think he'll be he's closer than returning than not. He'd be out for the year, too. So they have that option if they want to redshirt him, a la uh, you know, Isaiah Hodgins from last year. But the thing with that approach is you can't use him this year. And without Andre Roberts... And now the uncertainty of at least early on in the season, potentially with Isaiah McKenzie, depending on what happens with his shoulder, you you might need a return man. And sure. like I know Micah Hyde can return punts in a pinch, but he's not an answer. And I don't think you really want to land at Brandon Powell. I've, I haven't been super impressed with him. So I think seven receivers, because of how much I think they like Jay Kumaro, 
who we mentioned. I did we talk about wait? Did we talk about about that on our show or this show? Our show. You talked about it on your okay, show. Okay, we talked about Jake. <laughs> I, I, See what I was talking about spreading yourself thin. You guys do so many shows. <laughs> he had eight <laughs> catches today, Pat. Yeah, I practice. I saw your. Listen, report. man, I get it. Like, there's camp performers, right? Like we have it almost every few years where it's like. Some just cra- who was it? Uh, Des Lewis, Desmond Lewis, Des Lewis, Duke Dur- Williams, uh, Derek Rogers. Was and the who one. was the guy that showed up and then left like halftime? The, the Buffalo Beat has an award name for him. Dre Archer is that it? Oh, Dre Archer never showed. He, he never he was showed. signed and he he never Did reported. He, have a, he didn't have a good camp. He no, never he never up. he never okay. showed. He didn't right, want so to be in Buffalo. Don't count him. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like Kumaro feels different. I feel like Kumaro can play. I mean, the guy had one target last year, and he had 22-yard touchdown. Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen both rave about the guy. I think there's something there. I don't think they want a chance at losing him because we've also seen Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders. They're not the most, like, you know, able to stay healthy bunch. Like, I don't want to put that on Diggs. I think, he can, I think he'll be fine. But Beasley's older. Sanders is older. I think you want... You know, some depth there if you can get it. Now, Jake Kimrow, he, he plays on special teams, right? I, I think I saw yes. him out there. And I think if you go back last year when he was playing those first three games before the Denver game, he he was on all four special teams units. So yeah. I think they trust him. You got to have guys, if you're going to keep seven defensive ends and four defensive tackles like you guys are suggesting happens, aside from Dale Johnson, who's a great special teams player, you better have some linebackers and some receivers who can play special teams pretty well. So I think that might factor into a, a roster decision even more so. The yeah. Rocket. Oh, You're going to have the Rocket. That's I right. think that's special teams MVP this year, your buddy. Yep, yep. My, Reggie Gilliam, I think that he's carved out a role for himself as well, that fullback, tight end, hybrid type player that also stands out on special teams. Matt and I were talking about on tonight's show. I don't know if there's another team in the NFL that values special teams more than Buffalo. They, they have truly come in and said, okay, offense and defense, yes, that's our main priorities. But we're not going to cut a guy if, if we're talking like fifth or sixth player position if they bring more to the special teams unit than the other player who might see more playing time on defense or offense. It's just not how they operate. And, and going to the wide receiver discussion, I think seven is completely in play now, not just because of injuries, but look what happened today with Beasley and Gabriel Davis and knowing that they're out for five days. Come regular season, you're going to want to make sure that you have options because this is a pass-happy offense, Pat. They're not going to go into a game without Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis and say, well, let's give Devin Singletary and Zach Moss the rock 30 times. This is not how this offense works. They want to make sure that they have more than enough wide receivers in that room. And it's a great point, and I don't think getting sent home is going to change Cole Beasley and, and Davis to – I don't think they're going to get vaccinated at the end of the day. All right, two more things, and I'm going to let you guys go, man. Of course, I appreciate your time here at Amherst House. There's so much to be excited about. We've talked about a lot of it today, but like, what's one area of concern? And Matt, we talked about this, and maybe it's kind of the, the same thing a few weeks ago at Mulberry, which one of the specific players, Ryan, happened to be sitting about 15 minutes or 15 feet away from us while we were discussing him. I'm talking about Dawson Knox, but like, do you still consider like tight end a position of concern right now going into the season, or is there somewhere else on this team that you have some kind of uh, concerns about right now? You know, I didn't love a recent practice drop from Jacob Hollister. It was like the first one where I was like, oh, uh, that looked like some Dawson Knoxitis there, yeah. you know, at his worst times. Listen, there's not a proven reliable target at this position. But again, I, I think we are also overvaluing how much they use the position. So it's like, yeah, like somebody was put out the stat today, like George Kittle has some ridiculous drop rate for how good he's been. So, I mean, if he, I think it's one of the cover one guys. They're usually on it with those kind of comparisons. They usually stand their guys. And I know sure. some of those dudes are big Dawson Knox fans, and rightfully so. I We had Joe Marino on the show, and he kind of convinced us. I mean, the, the guy, he just got talent. Like, I, I, it doesn't always translate, right? Like, sometimes it's like, but one of these days, the light goes off. Like, I go back to Logan Thomas, dude. Like, he wasn't even Dawson Knox caliber of player. And look what he's turned into when a team like just gave him the time to like blossom. There's no rush on that spot. They right. got playmakers. They might need Dawson Knox to be something more in two years. But right now, I think they have enough weapons. Right. Yeah, when it comes to Brian Dable, this offense does not funnel through the tight end position. So they're going to be fine with him. They're going to be fine with that skill set. 
and what Hollister brings to the table. I'm not too concerned about tight end. Now, if you are asking for an area where maybe there is a little more concern, I would say cornerback, Matt. You know, Trey White, I feel good about him, obviously, but Levi Wallace, I think, has wrapped up that number two job, even though Leslie Frazier said that competition is still neck and neck today. But then you have Dane Jackson, who's getting an MRI. Yeah, they're both banged up. They're Levi banged, practice yeah, today. Yeah, they're banged up. You have Taron Johnson, who's been up and down in his career. He obviously turned her on in the second half of the season last year. And then Saran Neal, who I think he does not bring that flexibility to the position. He's more of an inside guy, which Leslie Frazier alluded to today. He's like, this is someone that we, we have in the slot more than anything else, not on the outside boundary where he, he let up that 70-plus yard touchdown in the second preseason game. So I, I do worry a little bit about the cornerback position, and I wonder what the Bills are going to do about that in terms of the waiver wire or some, maybe a trade because we're starting to see some trades around the league. All right, last question. I'm going to let you guys go. So I want to get from each of you your biggest Bills takeaway of the summer, but let's disqualify two very easy, obvious ones. And we, we kind of discussed both of them already today. One of them, at least for me anyway, I, I think the Bills are in much better hands if, God forbid, something happens to Josh Allen with Mitch Trubisky. I thought we saw that with their own eyes on Saturday. I think this team is still capable of being a good football team, even if something happens to the quarterback, which, of course, we, do, we hope doesn't happen. The other takeaway is COVID is not going away. It's very real. We, we're seeing that right now. Ryan, you said it. If this were the regular season and the Bills are playing on Saturday, especially, this would definitely be a problem. So those are two obvious ones. From watching practices and, and talking about it all summer, Like, what is, what's another big takeaway from you with this team right now? Biggest takeaway for me is I think that when we look back on the 2021 season, we're going to see that Brandon Bean went above and beyond when it came to upgrading the pass rush, which is what killed them in the championship game against a Patrick Mahomes who was dealing with a toe injury, who really wasn't that mobile, and the Bills still couldn't get to him. I think when you look at that the starting unit, it's going to start this year with, with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, both guys who are over 30. But by the end of the year, I think you might be seeing Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epineza leading the way in terms of snap count at that position. Then you have FAO Bada, you have Boogie Basham, you have Daryl Johnson. I think that they are locked and ready to get after the quarterback, and they're going to end up as a top eight unit in terms of sacks this year. So I, this is going to send a certain portion of the mafia into a tizzy, I think. But I am very super bullish on Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's going to have an all-pro season. I'm not saying first team, but I think, I think the return of star, I think everything I've seen from him, the attitude – like he's got a like a legit chip on his shoulder. Like he's heard the the murmuring about like him underperforming and him being a liability and all that stuff. Like I think he's gonna f some dudes up this year, and I have a feeling that like the way that this defense is constructed, there it's almost like it's like a foregone conclusion that he's gonna be elite because of how much talent's around him. Like you think about it, you get star in front of him, you you ratchet up the pass rush, he. How are you going to deal with him too at the second level? I think, and then as long as Milano stays healthy, dude, I think I think Edmonds is going to, is in for a massive year. That would be, you know what? That's interesting, and it's funny because we talk about so many positions on this football team, and that's one position that I've barely have heard anything about. I'm sure it's because the starters are already so established, and there's not really a lot to talk about. But and they don't play a lot, like yeah. or no, they. I mean, there's not a lot of like, like when you they go eleven on eleven, you guys read all about that stuff. I would only say. 25% of it is up tempo where they're actually like going like they're flying around and thudding up at full thud like we saw today in the Jordan Poyer Isaiah McKenzie incident like that's not happening every day so like if that's not happening you can't evaluate a linebacker I mean they're, they, that's, part, that's mostly what they do like you can evaluate the coverage but if they they go to go to the pass and then they kind of like veer off at the last second I'm not going to write about that so people are like where's Jermaine Edmonds I'm like he's waiting in the wings like for the games <laughs> to start like Make sure he's healthy. He's been in this defense now. He's going into his fourth year. I think he's going to have a big year. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this episode. Another edition of the Finer Wings Club coming to you from Amherst Alehouse. You know, typically it's funny. I would plug at the end and be like, follow Ryan on Twitter, follow Matt on Twitter, check out Shout Buffalo Football Podcast on, you know, Mondays or Mondays, Tuesdays. Follow that shit, like, because it's on almost, like, every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to, you can check it out pretty much almost every single day. But 
on a serious note, man. This was a lot of fun. And, there, and I'm going to tell you one last thing real quick here, too. Two crews I really was looking forward to putting together when I first came up with this idea of having the Finer Wings Club. One of them was Nate Gary and Marcel just because they're foodies and they could talk about food forever. And then the other one was you two guys, man. You know, like I said, I've had you both on individually. I've never met you before, Ryan. And you guys legitimately are my favorite Bills podcast out there today. I think the most popular one for good reason. You guys grind. So thank you so much for doing this, man. This was a lot of fun. That means a lot because I know you mean it. Like we do. we do the the danger in Bataglia in uh, Rochester, their radio show. We go on, and I they don't know that we listen. They tell every Bills guy that goes on there, our favorite Bills guy coming on. Bro, I listened to your show last week. You told Marcel and you told Ryan that back to back day. So now I appreciate it. 